Good morning, Anchor Church. That's better. How's everybody doing this morning? How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome to be with you. I'm Pastor Rob, one of the pastors here on staff. It's a privilege to be with you this morning, preaching this word. In fact, we are starting a new series, and it's entitled Perspective. Everybody say Perspective. Okay, we're going to try that again. Everyone say Perspective. It's going to be an amazing four weeks. I know it is. Before I get started, before I get started this morning, I just want to make sure that we, we're a church that one of part of our culture here is we honor. I want to make sure that we're honoring. And in our past around here, there's been some legends that's come through here, have been on our staff, and really who we are today, it has their DNA in us. And I want to, someone's here in our congregation, and he's, he's, he's about ready to shoot me, I know. But I want, to, I want, Guy, I want you to stand up right over there. Guy Capelliello, right there. Stand up. <laughs> Guy was one of our worship leaders back in the day. In fact, the day we came on this property in 1998, Guy started his church that day. He was our singles pastor. He was our worship leader. He was a person who had a gift, a heart, a, a gift to pastor for the, to, to meet the lost and he went out, and he's, he has a church in, uh, in Kapolei today called Second City. It's an amazing guy, so we make sure we honor our past. Okay, good to be with you. Again, we're starting this series, and we're going to use the book of Philippians for the next four weeks. We're going to preach through that book. We're going to pull out of those four short chapters some of the most important scriptures so that we can really see, and here's what I know we're going to get from this. We're going to see the amazing perspective Paul had it was so clear, so clear, and so focused, despite everything going on in Paul's life at the time. And I believe, I believe with all my heart, as we get through this series, your perspective is going to change too, about God, about life, about the people in your life, and eternity. Because I know that when you have the right perspective, it's going to open your eyes to the possibilities and opportunities to experience all, all that life and God has for you. Are you hearing me? Having the right perspective. But how many know it's easy to have the wrong perspective? Some of you are looking at me right now going, I wonder if what this guy's all about. You, we kind of look at people, ever go somewhere and you've judged someone so wrongly when you found out what they're all about? One of my dearest friends from all these years back, he... Well, the first couple of times, he went golfing with me. And he literally would not talk to me. He would just nod. And, and the, the guys that we were golfing with, hey, Chuck, ride with Rob. No, I don't want to. I go, whoa, what the heck? The next time we went, the next week, he actually came back and went golfing with us again. And he hardly even looked at me, hardly ever talked to me. And finally, I said at lunch, I said, okay, Chuck, what's the deal? Why, what's going on? How did, I couldn't have possibly offend you. I don't know you. And see, he grew up in a home because they, they introduced me as Pastor Rob. And in the home he grew up in, which was a very strict Catholic home, the priest, the, the reverend, was to be, you know, exalted, to be, you know, to, to have reverence for. So he was very, he was always fearful to talk to the priest back then. I said, Chuck, trust me, there's nothing, nothing reverent about me. <laughs> nothing. I'm just a normal guy. 
And for them, for them, from that time on till today, that's over 30 years, we've been the closest of friends. But see, his perspective about me was completely wrong. How many times in your life have you thought about something, had the wrong perspective? Because you know what? Wrong perspectives usually come from assumptions, possibly half-truths, or maybe even a flat-out lie that we've allowed ourselves to develop in our mind. Are you hearing me? Talking about perspectives. There's a guy in this church, and he could be in this room right now, and I'm not trying to embarrass you. No one here knows who you are, so no big deal. But he, was, he worked in town in one of the high-rises downtown, one of the office buildings. He was driving, almost got to work one day, the very end of the poly, and this car just flew by him, just darting in and out of traffic. And he was going, what the heck? And he instantly got enraged. I've got to teach that man a lesson today. And he literally started driving just like that dude, driving in and out of traffic because he was going to get right behind him until he stopped that car, jump out, and his mind's racing. You ever had ever have that, arc, that conversation in your mind as you get enraged and it's getting madder and madder? Without even realizing it, he had, the guy in front of him had literally drove into the emergency uh, dock at Queens Hospital. And they both jump out of the cars at the exact same time. And my friend started to give it to him, and he realized, uh-oh, uh-oh, what's going on here? And he realized, the guy turned around and goes, what's up, dude? And he's bawling. The guy is bawling. And all he could do is, because my friend had a hold of him a little bit, and he broke free and realized, the guy realized that the guy that he was following, chasing, his son had just got hit. He was riding his bike and got hit by someone, and he was in that emergency and it changed his whole perspective. Can you tell me that? And he was able to go in and pray for that family. He was telling me the story, and he goes, man, I, had, I was completely had the wrong perspective. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Having the wrong perspective. We, I've been coaching this one couple, and they uh, 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 just started looking at each other the, completely the wrong way. They're assuming some things about each other. In fact, the, the, the gentleman I was meeting with, he says, you know what? I don't even, I'm not even attracted to my wife anymore. I, you know, I've lost it for her. And, and he was just allowing his mind to build on these lies. Are you hearing me? And so was she. So when we, were, we just came through the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I said to those guys, look it, through the 21 days, I want you to fast, and all I want you to do is pray for your marriage. Because at the very core of what they said, I said, do you believe God wants you to stay married? Absolutely. So I said, Good. Let's let God do something here. Last week, when I came onto the campus, I saw that couple, and they were holding hands, and I was like, whoa. I raced up to him. I said, hey, how's it going? He goes, Pastor Rob, God changed our perspective of one another. We have now fallen back in love. I looked across at her one day, and she was in the kitchen, and I realized that my love was more intense than ever before. I said, yeah. Because you know why? God changed your perspective. How many times in our relationships, possibly in marriage or those relationships that are very close to you, we start drifting apart because our perception, our perspective starts to change. We start assuming some things. Can I just tell you really fast, because whenever time I get to preach, I want to also throw something about marriage because it's a passion to me, and I know how hard it is today sometimes in the pressure and the stress and strain of life to have 
to hold on to a great marriage, but you know what? Let me tell you God's perspective of your marriage right now, really quickly. See, God created you, this amazing you. Do you know that God doesn't create junk? And by the way, can I just say one other thing? I'm like straying far from my notes, but I think this is important. Some of our perspective of ourselves are also built on lies because the enemy wants to feed us these lies. You know the person that we're the most critical of is ourselves. But God created you, and he created you to be amazing. He created created you purposefully, prayerfully, and perfectly you. And guess what else he did? He created your spouse the exact same way. And he created your spouse to be with you, to be one. How many know that when we get married, our spouse is not just like us? How many spouses are opposite? Raise your hand if your spouse is opposite than you. Of course, most of us, almost 90% of us are. But why, can you imagine having two of you? Seriously. But what we think is that person, our perspective of that person, that person should just think what I think. Why do I have to tell her? Or why do I have to tell him? But guess what? If we allow ourselves to see life through their perspective and that person see life through their perspective, can you imagine how amazing that would be? Sometimes we see our differences as irritants. Why, why don't you listen to I can't take my point of view all the time. Well, that's not the way God created you to be. Are you hearing me? Perspective is critical. Perspective is so important to have. And as we get into the word, in the, in the book of uh, Philippians, I want you to know, God's going to change your perspective on some things. If you allow, last week, Pastor Sean, amazing pa- pa- the message we heard, he said something I hope you caught. Because really to experience God's perspective for you, you need to have this. Remember what he said? It's not enough to believe that God is real, but you must believe that God is right. Are you hearing me? That means what's in this book is God's word. And what's in here is a promise to you. And what's in here is right. And guess what else is in here? God's perspective for your life is in this book. So as we get into the book of Philippians, and for the next four weeks, can I just encourage you, however you, define, uh, however you arrange your prayer life and being in the Word, I want you to know for the next four weeks, I, we're going to be going through Philippians. I'd love you to read maybe a chapter a day because the next four weeks you have read this book five, six times. And really, you'll really have a a knowledge, a working knowledge of exactly what God's perspective of us is and what it should be as we work in the world and and interact with other people, our lives, the people around us, because our our perspective is critical. So if you have your Bibles, got your phones, time to turn them on and get to Philippians, the first chapter, open your Bibles, and that's where we're going in Philippians, the first chapter. By the way, let me give you a little background, because I think... As we get into this book, it's good to have a little context so you can have the right perspective, if you will, as we start the next four weeks in the book of Philippians. First of all, let me tell you about the amazing author, the Apostle Paul. He was an amazing guy. In fact, he wrote most of the, 
of the New Testament in this, in this book. But guess what? There was a time in Paul's life, at the time he was called Saul, God changed his name at his conversion. But there was a time when Paul, the last thing he believed in was Jesus. In fact, he grew up a devout Jew and he was trained and taught by one of the most famous rabbis of the time. And back then, the Jewish, the Jewish faith was looking for a Messiah. But as Jesus came on the scene and, they were, and he was calling himself Messiah, the Jews of that time, their perspective was, this guy's a, guy a lunatic. This guy named Jesus is a lunatic. He's not who he says it is. Because the Jewish faith at the time, their perspective was the king, the Messiah, was going to come in as a king, as a ruling king, to free them from the Romans and to be their king and to guide them. That was, that was the Jewish perspective. That was Paul's perspective. Until one day, the, the work of Acts says that Jesus and Paul had an encounter on the road to Damascus. And Jesus opened his eyes to the reality of his perspective on who Jesus really was. And from that moment, that second on, Paul's perspective was, I have to serve this God, Jesus. Are you hearing me? God can change your perspective. Many of you looking at me right now, when you came to Jesus, your world changed. The person you were before that and the person you were after that were two different people. Why? Because God changed your perspective. In Romans, the second, 12th chapter, it says this, don't, be, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, by changing your perspective. That's what happened to Apostle Paul. That's what happened to you when you came to Jesus. And then when, so Paul's, so Jesus' instructions to Paul at that point was, okay, I want you to be an apostle. An apostle means sent out. So Jesus told Paul, Paul, I want to send you out and I want you to tell the world about me, both the Gentiles, which would be non-Jews, and the Jews, and I want you to raise up leaders and I want you to start churches. And the book of Philippians is really a letter that he wrote to a church that he started in Philippi in 52 AD, about 20 years after Jesus' birth, death, resurrection, and ascension. Paul started this church in Philippi and he's writing a letter to them He's really writing a thank you letter. He's writing a letter because at the time he was in dire straits and dire situation and the church in Philippi knew that and they decided to collect a love offering for him and they sent him a love offering and the letter that we, we're gonna read is really a letter thank you. I love you guys and you can tell the love that he has, the affection he has for them. Much like we have, your staff around here love you guys. We care deeply about you like Gideon's parents and Gideon. I mean, let me tell you, this staff goes to, we're going to pray for you. We would pray for you. We have your back. Every one of you in this room, we love you dearly. We know that God sent you here and it's our responsibility to spiritually care for you. Just like Paul to the church in Philippians, in Philippi. He dearly cared, cared for them. So when you read it, those are the things you need to know. And one other thing I need to let you know here, the theme of the book, his overriding theme as you read the book of Philippians is, have joy, no matter what, because joy is the right perspective. Okay, everybody in, Phil in Philippians? Okay, let's start in reading. We're going to read in, in, in uh, chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 2. Now, check his, just listen to me here. Look in, listen to his passion for these people. It says, my God, our Father, may God, our Father, 
And may the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and mercy and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Every, every, and whenever I pray for you, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time I first met you until now. And I am certain that God who began a good work in you until, and will continue until he finally finished on the day of his return. That means no matter what's going on here, he's trying to encourage his people. No matter what the circumstances that you're going through there, because he knew that they might be worried about him once they understand what was going on in his life. No matter what's going on, God's got your back. It says this, it is right that I should feel as I do about you, for you have a special place in my heart. You shared with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth about the good news. Can you hear his affection for these people? Can you hear the joy in his voice, the excitement he has for them? Can you hear that? But guess what his circumstances were? He was in prison when he wrote this letter, chained to the Roman guard, the palace guard. And by the way, just for the record, prisons back then are not like they are today. The reason he needed the money, because the way you ate is you had to get someone to feed you from the outside. Are you hearing me? And it's a dungeon. You can read that in the, in the book of Acts in chapter 28. He was going through hell and back. It says that he was beaten, beaten and thrown in prison, chained to a person all 24-7, chained. And why was he chained? For preaching the gospel. He's in Rome too. He's in a Roman prison. If you know anything about Paul, when you read his writings in any of the epistles, he goes, I can't wait to go to Rome and preach the word. That was his perspective. I want to go to Rome someday. Well, he did go to Rome, but he didn't go as a preacher. He went as a prisoner. Now, any one of us in this room, I'm sure, would not be writing this type of letter. We would be writing, look what happened to me. This is not fair. Are you hearing me? How many are, are you listening to me? Wouldn't we be writing that letter? Because our perspective is, hey, I was preaching the word about God. I was, I was preaching the word. Where's God at? We would do, be doing that, wouldn't we? But Paul's was an amazing thing. It was filled with joy. So I think it's important, too, to give you some context about joy as we go here, too. Joy, can I just tell you what joy is not? Joy is not happiness. That's not what we're talking about. Because happiness is built around situations in our life, certain activities, events, things like that, that make us happy. Look, at any time the Rainbow Warriors win, I am really happy. Maybe anytime your team wins, super happy. Maybe you go to your favorite restaurant and that meal is prepared perfectly. Ah, awesome. If you surf, you caught the perfect day. The swell was epic. You are happy. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about joy. And I don't want you to confuse the two as I speak and listen and you hear Paul's words in this message. See, joy, the only way you get joy, it's from God. It's from God. One of my favorite writers is a guy named John Piper, really a theologian, if you will. And he said this about joy, which I think is super important to know. You write this down. He says, he describes joy as a feeling, as emotion. Deep down in our soul, 
You know where your soul is at? The soul, your soul is the essence of who God made you to be. It's the center of your intellect, your personality, your likes, your dislikes. Everything about you is in your soul, right there. He goes, uh, John Piper describes it as this. Deep down, this feeling is deep down there at the core of your being, produced by the Holy Spirit so that he, the Holy Spirit, as he opens your eyes to his beauty, both in the world and in the word, and that your confidence in him would lead to joy. Are you hearing me? So joy, joy in the word, the definition of that joy that we just read, the joy that we're going to read, the joy that he says 19 times in that book, joy or rejoice. It's from a, he's coming from a point of view that joy is from deep within, produced by God, and the only way to experience joy is through God. Now, when I was in Bible college, they had a, they had a, 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 a definition, and let me just read this definition to you. From, my, from, my, from the theologians of the, of the Bible college. It's a good one too. It says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the detail of my life. A quiet confidence that ultimately, no matter what's going on in my life, it will be and turn out well. It's a determined, conscious choice to praise God in every circumstance. Amen. Are you hearing me? So God says, I want you, Paul's going to, I want you, fellow believers, sons and daughters, I need you to experience joy. And here's what I want to say. It's joy is found in keeping our eyes focused, laser focused on God in your life. In fact, in Hebrews, in 12th chapter, it says this, Speaking about joy, it says this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiated and perfects our faith. And then it goes on to describe this, because the joy awaiting him, that's Jesus. Because the, Jesus said, the joy awaiting me, it says this, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and it is seated now, I am seated now in a place of honor on God's throne. Hear this, hear this out. Jesus says, now look at when Jesus was going to the cross, it says in the word that he begged his father, take this cup away from me. Take this pain away from me. I, if it's up, if it's okay, Lord, you can take it away. But then all of a sudden, God the Father changed Jesus' perspective. And all of a sudden he goes, you know what? He had to feel something deep within the soul of who he was. He says, you know what? Because of what this will do for my kids, you and me, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm willing to go to the cross. I'm willing to endure the pain because it's going to give me great joy because ultimately I know I'm going to be in heaven and I'm going to see these folks again. Isn't that amazing? By the way, you might be thinking right now, okay, if joy is so important, then why is there trouble in my life? I don't feel joy. There's too much craziness going on in my life. Anybody ever feel that? But look at it, it says this. In James 1, it says this, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Because you know what God wants us to do? He wants to turn our obstacles into opportunities. 
He wants to turn our setbacks into a place that we can be set up to preach Jesus. He wants us, when the storms of life comes, because this is one of our feelings around here, when the storms of life comes, we go right for our anchor, Jesus. Because you know what? Sometimes bad things happen. They do. And sometimes we don't see the right perspective because bad can actually be good. Let me tell you how I see that. It says this, and as we follow along in the scripture, it says this in verse 12. It says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that everything that's happening to me here, I'm chained up, man. I'm in the dungeon. I'm down here with the rats. Everything that's happening to me. In fact, it even says in the word several times in the gospel that he was beaten to an inch of his life several times. He was in prison. He wrote four of the books Four of the Gospels in this book, including Philippians, he wrote from a dungeon. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to know what everything that's happening to me here will help spread the good news. You see, Paul knew that. But a lot of times in our life, we can't see God. We can't experience joy. We can't see God in the circumstances. Sometimes those things are so overwhelming that our, our, our eyes are focused only, only, on the issue. That happened to me in my life. Let me give you some context. I have an amazing son, Paul. He's 28 now. He has a, just a love for sports. Guess who else has a love for sports? Moi. We have, we, you know, there, he golfs with me. He goes to the football games with me. He goes to the basketball games with me. We'll sit and watch ESPN way too long. Bums out our wives. That whole thing going on. But I love that kid. We, in fact, I got tickets to go to the UH Sports season tickets just so I could hang out with them. And every once in a while, I remember getting basketball. I told my, this is what I told my wife. Hey, Deb, if I get these basketball tickets, that means I can drive back and forth to the Stan Sheriff Arena and hang out with Paul. And there'll be some teachable moments in there that I could teach him some things along the way. That was my story and I was sticking to it. But no, actually, it's a true story. I thought those, those teachable moments, all of us have kids in this room, or at least some of us do, and those, are, those teachable moments are fleeting when they're sponges and you know they're listening to you. So I figured somewhere along the line, I'm going to be able to speak to them. And I did a couple of times. You know, I was talking about girlfriends and all that type of stuff. And I remember, fast forward a bunch of years, I say, hey, Paul, I, I see you're, how long have you been dating Bree? Two years. All of a sudden, my ears went, whoop. Oh, wait, Two years. How's that going? Are you being tempted to go places you shouldn't in this relationship? Hey, look it. Two years into a relationship, you're all getting tempted. At least 99% of us. Are you hearing me? Uh, Hey, and and of course, he blows it off. Dad, come on. Is this going to be the birds and bees talk again? Come on. No big deal. So I remember, you know, a little bit of time more more goes by, and my son asked my, uh, on a Sunday, Hey, mom, dad, I need to take you to lunch. I want to talk to you about a couple of things. And I was thinking, you know what? He was right where he's going to go to college. I think, oh, awesome. He's going to tell me what college he's going to go to. This is going to be great because I really wanted him to, you know, to go away to college to get, to get bigger experience and all that, get his degree. So we're sitting at Cinnamon's Restaurant, my favorite restaurant. We're sitting at Cinnamon's on a Sunday afternoon. Hey, dad, mom, I need you to know something. I got my girlfriend pregnant. Okay, just for the record, I did not take that well. <laughs> Cinnamon's used to be my favorite restaurant. I don't even go there anymore. 
There's no way I'm going to Cinnamon's. Nothing but bad memories in that restaurant. I did not take that well. In fact, I shot out of my chair and out of that restaurant instantly. Because my perspective was his life. Everything I dreamed, for every one of us dream about our lives or for our kids. In fact, you know, we, we, the things that we dreamed for my son, things I dreamed for my son, things that you dream for your kids are amazing. And all of that changed at that instant right then. My perspective is he just ruined his life. Forget the degree. Now you've got to raise a family. And now I'm going to say something that please, I'm not proud of this. Don't hold it against me. Don't judge me. Don't, don't let your perception about me change. But I was literally praying, Lord, these guys are way too young to have a baby. If there's any way you could have a mis- we could have a miscarriage, that'd be an awesome idea. I know that's not right, but that was my perception of the thing that was going to be, it was not good. Are you hearing me? And months, bad. I was disappointed, a little angry. I was a pastor, my son. What are people going to think about me? And actually, I want to be honest with you. I was sometimes worried about what people were thinking about me more than anything else. That's how screwed up my perception was, my perspective was. Are you hearing me? Okay, that baby was born. Here's a picture of them right now, today, all these years later. That's my son Paul and his wife, Bree. They did get married. They have, I want you to know, that little girl, Emma, she is, she has more charisma than any kid you'll ever want to meet. If she was here right now, is she here? I don't think so. If she was here, I'd bring her on the stage because there is no stage too small for her. She would not be nervous coming on this stage. She loves people. And most importantly, she loves Jesus. You should hear her pray. Man, the other day I had, I had a friend who from coming to town and we were talking about Jesus and God and talking about the Bible and we were just talking, he was sitting at my house and Emma comes in and goes, hey, so, so tell me more about that. And so we had her ro- read Romans, the third chapter. And she read it, nine years old, read it flawlessly with passion. And then she asked the greatest questions, wanted to know more about that verse. At one time, my perspective was, this is bad. God can't possibly do anything. This is not. And it wasn't of God to n- initiate. But you know what? God used that amazingly. There's things you're going through possibly right now. And all it looks like is a black hole and God poss- couldn't possibly do, be in this or couldn't possibly bring any good of this. If God is real and he is right, the word says that it will be good. All things work together for those who love him and are called according to his name. God's perspective is that you would find hope and joy in any circumstances. That you would look past what's obvious to you right then, the situation, and know that God can change your perspective and you can find joy in that. Are you hearing me? Because God would say, that's exactly where I want my kids to be. And that's what you're going to learn from Paul. Can I just say that joy can be contagious and can be very attractive to, to, the non, to, the, to the world out there? Look what it says in verse 13. It says this in verse 13. It says, this is Paul speaking about his circumstances in prison. It says this, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Jesus. Because you can tell right now, he's making Jesus known no matter what the circumstances. And the palace guard, 
That's like the, that's like the special forces. That's the seal. That's the seals. That's the rangers. Those are the, those are the elite. He's chained to those guys. And he's going, hey, even they know I'm here for that. They're blown away by it. What do you think about not other non-Christians around you? What do they think, what do they see in you as you process through a situation in your life that seems overwhelming and, they're, they're, and you have the joy of the Lord in you despite the circumstances? What are your non-believing friends seeing in you? I hope they're seeing Jesus. I hope there's someone in your life that's inspiring you to see Jesus. And I hope you're inspiring others. What about to, to the Christians too? It says this in verse 14. It says this. It says, because of my imprisonment, Paul writes, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldness speaking the message of Jesus without fear. And he's, so he's saying, hey, when you have this joy in you, that because if, if the joy's in you, and I, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, are allowing this joy to come out because of a confidence you have in Jesus, because of the faith that you have in Jesus, it's going to be evident to all. It's going to be evident to all. Are you hearing me? People are attracted to that. And Jesus says, I want it to be attractive because I want you, us, to be able to preach Jesus 24-7, 365, and use words only when you have to. Are you hearing me? It's an amazing thing. But let me say, here's what Paul's going to say here too. He's going to say, what, this is what really matters though. As he, as he gets in a little later in, in chapter one, it says, here's really what matters. In chapter, in verse 10, it says this, for I want you to really understand what really matters. It says this, it is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. Some, some are preaching for the wrong reasons, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me for they know that I've been appointed to defend the good news, he writes. Those others do not preach with pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach in selfish ambitions, not sincerely, intending to make my chains even more painful. And what he's saying right there is, these guys are preaching for their own. They're trying to be famous on their own. They're trying to get a crowd around them, but they're not really preaching with, with pure motives. That's just for, for them to purely, a pastor's heart is purely that people would come to know Jesus. They were preaching because they wanted people to know them. It says this as it closes. It says, but that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or true or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. See, you hear his heart? It's filled with joy. You're using words that are, are just so loving and so affectionate towards Jesus and he's in prison. It says, goes on to say this in verse 21. For me, living for Christ or dying would even be better. Pretty amazing, huh? But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go to be with Christ which would be far better for me. But for your sake, it's better that I continue to live. And in verse 24, it's 27, it says this, above all, above all, above all, which is super important when he says that, like pay attention, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. You must live. Paul's saying here, and we're gonna see in the rest of this book, that re to really experience joy, there has to be a confidence that what he says about eternity is real. 
He says that. He says, if you really want to experience joy, that means you have to hold strongly, convicted, beyond anything, that what he says in his word about eternity in heaven is real. He just said that. Paul goes, it'd be way better if I was standing before Christ in heaven. Look, look at, we don't, we're not going to go through a study right now on heaven, but can I just tell you, there is a, anywhere you read about heaven, it's going to be beyond our wildest imagination. The beauty, the color, the majesty of God is going to blow us away. There's been stories. I've read a couple. You've probably read a couple about people who've had near-death experiences who's convinced that they have been in heaven. The one I read in, in Driven by Eternity by uh, John Bevere, by the way, Driven by Eternity is one of the best books you will ever read as a Christian. Driven by Eternity. But in the book, he talks about a boy who went to be, he electrocuted himself and he was in heaven. And finally, he came back from that experience because the father, like we're, gonna, we're, we're praying for Gideon right now, Lord, bring him back to his father. But when the son came back and told him about the experience that he had in heaven, he goes, if I ever in this situation again, don't pray me back. I want to be there. You'll come and you'll be with me fast. But Paul's going to tell us real joy comes from an absolute confidence. Let me give you this illustration put so they can put you in your mind. I got this little rope here. This rope here. behind me. So sorry. Are you with me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. So I got this rope here. Now I need you to use your imagination. See this rope goes out the door. It goes up the parking lot over the coal lows down the other side. It's going all the way to Japan and around the earth and it never ends. Pretend with me, would you? Have your imagination open to that? See this rope? This is your existence. So some, the word says clearly in the word that our time on earth doesn't change. We're going to go somewhere. Every single person born is going to go somewhere someday. You see this little red here? This represents our time on earth. And for most of us in the room, all we are is consumed with this little red part. We go to school. For me, Save, 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 work hard, hard, hard. So right here, I can just enjoy myself right there in retirement. Many of you are that way. Some of us, all we're focused on, I just want to have fun right there. I just need to have fun. I don't care who I hurt or what's going on. Fun's the most important thing. I just want to experience happiness right there. But we're consumed by it. But the word tells us that what happens right here affects all of there, affects it all. The word says that what we do here, we're storing up treasures in heaven. The word says it's impossible to plead God without faith. And God says, when you get right here and you stand before me, it's going to be a glorious day. But if you're consumed by here, consumed by here, you won't even be thinking about eternity. And you'll be more worried about dying than being with me. Are you hearing me? How many times we get aches and pains? Oh no, I must have cancer. I'm going to die. 
Now, die, we don't want to die. No, no one likes to think that way. But at the same time, you have to have some confidence that dying is not dying. All we're doing when we die, the word says, is we're just moving. We move for this life to be with Jesus. And we spend millions and trillions of years with Jesus. But Paul's telling us the perspective that we must have in life is that everything we do here gets pointed to Jesus. And we keep our eyes on Jesus. And the peace that comes from that, the confidence that comes from that, the joy that we'll experience, we'll be able to bring other people, not only us the joy, but other people will see Jesus in us so that they too can spend eternity with God. Are you hearing me? So as when we read Philippians and we go through this, Paul's perspective, and he wants us to have, is to never lose sight of Jesus. Because when we don't lose sight of Jesus, joy is the result in every circumstances. Pray with me. Lord, some of us in this room, Lord, I'm sure that so hard to see light at the end of the tunnel, Lord. All we think is that light is an oncoming train, but right now, Lord, as we look into your word and we trust your word, it says that's not an oncoming train. It's really you. And so, Lord, our, our eyes are glued to you, Lord. We, we, Lord, I bind the enemy from any attack that you throw at any one of us room that keeps our eyes off you. Take away those things that are dragging us down, Lord, those habits that overwhelm us, that control us, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name you take those away. That, that, Lord, our perspective would be built on right perspectives, not wrong ones. Not on assumptions, not on half-truths, not on lies, but it would be built on you, Lord, and what you see, what your thought is about me, Lord. So I pray right now in Jesus' name, Lord, that your hope and your joy and your Holy Spirit would flood us, Lord. Your word says that to pray that you would continue to refill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray that right now, Lord, that, Lord... The word says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what you have for us, Lord, in heaven and here on earth. And Lord, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would change our perspective today to the right one, Lord, because perspective is everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Hold your eyes, close your eyes for a second, bow your heads, because I want to pray for anybody in this room, because the word says that joy, it's impossible to experience the joy we're talking about, that confidence, insurance, that calm delight in Jesus. It's impossible to experience that unless you know him, unless you allow him into your life, to be your Lord and Savior. And I, want to, I would be the privilege to praying with you this morning, if that's you, if you've never come to a place where you said, Jesus, come into my life. Come in and take residence. Send your Holy Spirit to guide me and protect me, Lord. Forgive me my sins. You've never done that. If you've never acknowledged Jesus as your Lord, I want to give you that opportunity right now. And here's how we're going to do it. In a couple seconds, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to raise your hand because I want to know who I'm praying with this morning, if you would. And I want to pray with you this morning because I promise you, if you pray this prayer with me, your whole perspective is going to change. The person who drove up that driveway and the one that goes back down it are going to be two different people. Are you ready? Okay. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you. Raise your hand. Yes, I see you. Awesome. Yes, I see you. Awesome. Raise your hand. Raise it high. Yep, I see you. I see you in the back. Yep. If you're on the, if you're on the courtyard outside or, or in our, our family zone, it doesn't matter if I see you, God sees you. So pray with me. Hitchhike on my words if you. Lord, 
Lord, thank you, Lord, for dying for my sins. And thank you for forgiving me, Lord. Forgive me my sins, Lord. Lord, come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Open your eyes to me, Lord. Open your eyes, Lord. Let me, let me see you, Lord. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for being my God, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Good to be with you this morning. 